Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're continuing in our series, Hope in the Face of Death. And the the first two weeks, uh, Pastor Cale talked about how that affects us individually, in terms of where we uh, find uh, comfort and hope as as we face death, as well as the legacy uh, that we leave here in this life. And so we're going to shift today, and uh, this week we'll be talking about uh, kind of the end times, and, and next week we'll be looking at the new creation. You want to mention the end times, kind of scan around, and there's a little bit of nervousness. Uh, notice, as, as we did our readings today, there were a couple of them where you go, I'm supposed to say thanks be to God, but I don't, I don't really feel like I'm not, not really getting that, that kind of vibe. I mean, the end times can be really filled with darkness fear. And we look around our world and we see a whole lot of darkness. We experience a whole lot of fear and worry. We see war in our world. It's a rise of inflation, a rise of economic uncertainty. see conflict, division. See all sorts of problems around in our world, and it doesn't necessarily seem like things are getting better. See natural disasters, disease, death. These are dark times. We, we, we live surrounded by the darkness, and the temptation is to focus so much on the darkness that we end up getting overwhelmed. But what God invites us to do is instead of focusing on the darkness around us, instead to look for the light. And actually, as God's people, to shine light. See, in the face of death, in the face of, of a world where it looks like things are going towards further darkness, where we look makes all the difference. Instead of looking at the darkness, we're called to look for the light. For in the light, we find hope in the face of death. The first place God invites us to look is to look back. To look back in order to find the light. You've probably heard the phrase, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Right? As someone who kind of loved history growing up, that, that's something that's always kind of stuck with me. It, it impacted my life. I've learned from history. It's why I don't drink milk past the expiration date. Fool me once. It, it's, it's why when someone offers and said, hey, this smells terrible, try it. Or this tastes kind of off. You want to try it by? I go, no. Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. It's why still to this day I have not invaded Russia in the winter, because that always turns out poorly. And so anytime that idea kind of comes to mind, you go, no, 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 this has been done before. Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And it's one of the reasons why God has written down the history of the people of God so that we can learn from it 
so that we don't repeat it. Because in the midst of our world, as we look around at the darkness around us, we look back and we see God's people have been here before. God's people have been surrounded by darkness before. Surrounded by enemies seeking their destruction. Facing against Goliath and the Philistines. Entering into a promised land that is full of, of, of people that are against them. Its people have been in slavery in Egypt. They've had Pharaoh on their heels. They've been brought into exile in Babylon. No, God's people have faced, they've been surrounded by darkness before. And yet, as we look at those stories, we see that by and large, the Israelites did not handle waiting for God's deliverance, waiting for God's promised Savior. They did not handle that well. Throughout the Old Testament, we see the people of God giving up on waiting. God, you've taken too long to fulfill your promise. You've taken too long to deliver us, too long to send a Savior. So we're going to seek after this other God. We're going to worship the gods of the nations around us. We're going to do our own thing. We're tired of waiting for your timing. And even those who who remained faithful, who worshipped God, they changed what it was they were waiting for. No longer were we waiting for a Messiah who would come, who would rescue us from our sins, who would redeem and save and restore us. No, now we're looking for a Messiah that will deliver us politically, that will establish an earthly kingdom. And so when God sends, in the fullness of time, sends His Son, the people that are supposed to be waiting for Him kill Him. He's not what we're waiting for. He's not what we're looking for. You see, they focus so much on the darkness around them that they forgot. In fact, they hated the light of the world. Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. See, we too are tempted to give up on waiting. Lord, when are you going to return? It's not coming soon enough. It's not coming in my timing, and so we're tempted to give up. Or we're tempted to be looking for, for something else than what he has promised in his word. But God has given us the history of his people, not primarily for us to learn from the mistakes of those who have gone before us, but primarily God has given us his word so that we would learn from the history of who our God is. You see, in the midst of people who have rejected him, who have rejected his plan, who have killed the very Son of God, God remains faithful. He raises Jesus from the dead to give forgiveness, life, and salvation, the very things that God's people should have been waiting for, to give it to them even though they didn't deserve it, even though they were unfaithful. That's the history of your God who brought them out of Egypt, who defeated the Philistines, who brought them out of exile, who brought them into His very presence through His Son, Jesus Christ. We look back Not to just learn from God's people, but more importantly, to see who our God is. Our God is the light who shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot 
overcome it. See, this is what Paul directs our attention towards in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is where we find hope. This is verses 9 and 10. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Directs our attention back to see the Savior who died for us, that we might be with Him. And so we have hope. Whatever the darkness that we see in our world, we see in history, we see where things are going, when we look back, we see the cross of Jesus Christ. We see the empty tomb. We see a God who rules and who reigns and who shines a light that the darkness cannot overcome. And so we have hope. We look back, and at the cross, the empty tomb, we find hope. We're also called to look around. To look around at what's going on in our world. And again, here the temptation is to look at the wrong things, to look around in our world and to focus on the darkness, to focus on the signs of the times, to focus on the problems and the things that are going wrong. And what this leads us to do is to focus so much on everything that's going on and, and to try to answer the question, are we in the end times? And to really try to answer the question, when is Jesus going to return? So we've had people throughout history that have been focusing on the wrong things and that have figured out, oh, Jesus is going to return and they'll give a specific date. Right? January 1st, 2000, also known as Y2K. You guys remember that? The fiasco that was that entire year? And guess what happened? We woke up January 1st. World was still here. December 21st, 2012 was when the Mayan calendar predicted the end of the world. And you guys remember December 22nd? Yeah, we were still here. We were still fine. It's as if Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. Our job is not to look at the darkness and try to figure out when exactly Jesus is coming back. That's not our task. Our job is not to look around and see, are we in the end times? See, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he says, you have no need for me to write to you about uh, the days or the seasons. They knew they were in the end times. The church has always been in the end times ever since the ascension of our Lord. So what is our job? It's not to look and get overwhelmed by the darkness. See, what Paul invites the Thessalonians and us to do is to remember that we are not of the darkness. We are of the light. This is verse 4. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. See, as the church, in the midst of the darkness, we have the light of the world. And if we stop shining that light, if we get so overwhelmed by the darkness that we, we try to hide away, then there's nothing left but darkness. We become like that servant in the gospel reading who was given this one talent by his master and he buried it in the ground. 
We've been given the light of the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope of salvation, and we cannot hide that away from a world that desperately needs it. Regardless of how deep the darkness, the light of Christ shines through, and it shines through the church. That's why Paul closes his previous section in chapter 4 and this section in chapter 5 by saying, encourage one another. Build one another up, just as in fact you are doing. Encourage one another. See, one of the things that happens when we focus so much on the brokenness, the sin, the darkness, is that we become cynical. We, we lose, we say things like, who would want to bring a child into this crazy world of ours? We give up on the people around us. And th- that's the one thing we, as the people of God, can never do because we are the hope, the light of the world. And so we encourage one another. We build one another up so that the light may shine in the darkness, the light that the darkness cannot overcome. Mr. Rogers uh, said a number of profound things throughout his uh, TV time, but the one that really stands with me, he says, in the midst of tragedy, look for the helpers. Look for the helpers. Look for the people that, that, that are doing the right thing, that are shining the light in the midst of the darkness. Look for those who are helping. I think for us as the church, looking for the helpers, that's where we should be. The church should be those in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of trials. We are the helpers that God has sent to shine the light in the midst of the darkness. We've experienced this as a community of faith the last couple of years here, the last couple of weeks here at Zion. And just yesterday, we had two different groups downstairs in our fellowship hall. Our Boy Scouts were packing different non-perishable food items for those in need of our in our community. We had a group on the other side of the fellowship hall, a whole group of of members of Zion that were putting together Thanksgiving baskets for people in need on our community shining the light in the midst of the darkness. Look for the helpers, for that's where the church should be. In the midst of a world that, that is, is cynical. You know, you go to a sporting event, and most of what we want to do is let's yell at the officials. Uh, let's, let's tear one another down. And a couple weeks ago, our volleyball team from our school went to state, and not only did they do well on the court, uh, they received the sportsmanship award for the entire tournament for being a team and being parents that are encouraging, lifting one another up. Because this is what we do as the church. We shine the light in the midst of the darkness. Our world looks at our, 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 this, the schools, looks at places of business. We look at, at city council meetings. And again, we look at it with cynicism. And just talk about all the problems that are going on. And yet what I see is that we have members of our congregation that are in each of those places as, as teachers, as students, as employers, employees that serve on boards and councils. And they're shining the light of Christ in the midst of the darkness because this is what we do. Christ invites us to look around us, not, not to, to focus on the darkness, not to, not to get overwhelmed by the problems but to look for ways we can help.
ways we can shine the light of Christ in the midst of the dark world. God invites us to look back, to look back at his promises, receive the hope of salvation in Jesus Christ. He invites us to then look around, see the opportunities where we can bring that light to a dark world. Finally, he invites us to look forward, to look forward to that day when he will return and make all things new. Now again, as with the other areas we're supposed to look, the problem in our world is we're tempted to look the wrong things. What does it exactly mean for Christ to return? See, in American Christianity, one of the the most popular teachings on this is the doctrine known as the rapture. And so I just want to take a minute and clearly uh, say this is not what the Bible teaches. See, the rapture is a doctrine where Christ will return multiple times. He'll return once, and he will take up or rapture the church out of the world, leaving this period of trial, of turmoil. And then he will return again, and he'll establish this earthly kingdom that will reign for a thousand years. And then he will return yet again to finalize and make things on the last day. This is not what Scripture teaches. First of all, this is not what the church has taught. Uh, Up until the 1850s, this doctrine didn't even exist in all of Christianity. And when our our Old Testament reading, our epistle reading, multiple times in the Gospel, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, talks about the day of the Lord. Not, Not multiple days, the day. And it's connected, this one day is connected to the judgment. Not multiple judgments, the final judgment. This one day, this one return, this one judgment, all pointing to the last day. The scripture also doesn't talk about prophecies uh, of Israel as being fulfilled in any kind of an earthly kingdom. Right? In order to do that, you have to think that the prophecies of Israel are, are unfulfilled. And yet what scripture speaks about the prophecies to Israel, they have been fulfilled in Christ or in the church. That's how the Bible talks about these prophecies. We're not looking forward to an earthly kingdom. The kingdom of heaven has already come in Jesus Christ. And the the final thought here is, when when you look narrowly, overall, the the idea that that God is going to come, he's going to take his church out of the world and then just leave all this turmoil, goes against everything the church has been established uh, to do, is to be the light in the midst of the darkness. Christ is not going to take that light out of the world until he himself comes on that last day where we will need no light, nor lamp, nor sun, for Christ will be our all. No, we are not looking forward to a rapture where Christ takes the church away. No, we are looking forward to that one day, that final day where Christ himself comes, makes all things new. See, And even as we hear that, there's a sense of of kind of fear in that day. One of my professors at the seminary shared a story about his, his parents. Uh, they were at home one night in, in bed, and all of a sudden they were awoken uh, by 
this bright streaming light shining into their room. And he said, my mom, her first thought was, well, this is it. Jesus is coming back. And come to find out it was a helicopter uh, that was uh, coming for a medical emergency for their next door neighbor. And there were all sorts of emergency vehicles. But there's two aspects of her reaction that are important for us today. First is she was looking for the day of the Lord. She was looking for his return. And the second thing is she was excited about it. She was disappointed when it wasn't the return of Christ. The Thessalonian church, Paul says, you don't need me to write to you about this. You already know the the, the days and the times. They were looking forward to the return of Christ. It's the question for us is, what about us? It's easy for us to, it's not something that we're, we're looking for. And if we are looking for it, either we're afraid of it, I mean, it's talked about as, as a thief in the night. There, there's, there's all this talk of judgment, and yet Paul encourages the Thessalonians and us today. So you are not in darkness for this day to surprise you like a thief. No, you are children of the light, children of the day. When Christ returns, those who are in Christ Jesus, we have nothing to fear. No, we do not need to fear the last day. I think perhaps the other aspect we might, reaction we might have, is we go, okay, Jesus, you can come back, but I've got this whole list of things I want to do first. Right? Yeah, Jesus, come back, but, but can, can, can I graduate school first? Uh, can, I, uh, can I get married? Uh, can we live this life? Can I retire? Can I? As if those things are better than the Son of God coming back, making all things new. See, we need to look at the right thing. The return of Christ on the last day is not just a good idea. It is the best thing. It is the ultimate hope that we have. And we'll talk about this a lot more uh, next week. But briefly, this is the best thing. When Christ returns, that means all of the enemies of the church of God, of the people of God, will be defeated. Christ comes in victory, and that victory is for you. So we look forward to that day when Christ rescues his people, restores his creation, and makes all things new. See, we live in dark times, in a dark world. The church of God has always dealt with this. And instead of focusing on the darkness, instead of getting overwhelmed, instead of giving up, God invites us to look back. To look back on His promises. The God whose forgiveness breaks through the darkness of sin. Whose resurrection breaks through the darkness of death. Whose presence breaks through the darkness of this broken world. We look back and we find hope. And then we look around at the opportunities around us to share that hope, to share that light with the world. And all the while, we look forward to that day when Christ comes back and welcomes us home in the new creation. And to that, the people of God say, Amen, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.
Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he calls us home. Amen.